Packers Daily with Jason Martinez. All right, here it is, a May 12th, Wednesday, May 12th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Yesterday was breakup day at the Philadelphia Flyers as you got a lot of press conferences, about 20 in total. Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vigneault spoke. We're going to talk about that with Bill Meltzer in just a moment. A bunch of the players spoke. Dave Scott spoke. Uh, so a lot to dissect. So let's get right to it. You read his work on NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. And Billy, because as the season's finally over and we can exhale now, do you kind of have a prevailing thought on uh, what took place this season? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the one thing that everybody can collectively agree on is that even when the, uh, you know, the team got off to the 11-4-3 start, there were there were things that needed to be cleaned up, you know, and it, it didn't happen. I mean, things things unraveled, you know, as it, as it went along. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, they, they put some theories out there, but I think I think more so than anything else is that, uh, you know, I think. I think everybody's kind of collectively trying to wrap their head around, okay, you know, what are all, what are the root causes here and how do we prevent anything like this from happening again? And also from Chuck Fletcher's standpoint, and he did say that, you know, listen, I mean, we have a lot of things we have to work on this summer. There's a lot of areas we have to upgrade. Um, you know, you can't trade the entire team and they're going to need young players to step up. I think there's going to be, you know, I think those themes are going to be reiterated. They're going to, you know, look to make a, a big move or two and the rest of it they're going to need and they're going to need some of the guys that they were counting on stepping forward this year who either stagnated or went backwards. Some of those guys are going to have to rebound, obviously starting with Carter Hart. No question about it. Bill, one of the real fascinating things in the availabilities of Chuck Fletcher and Lavino is that Elaine um, referenced the fact that players who uh, went to Canada for the offseason, his Canadian players, um, all the ones that went back to Canada, with the exception of maybe Claude Giroux, because in his assessment he had a good season, and that experience that Giroux has helps in, that, in the experience of his career. Same with uh, Sean Couturier. But he says even Couturier didn't have a Coots-type-like uh, season. And he says, if I look at all the players that went to Canada, they struggled, whether it's because of lack of training possibilities, lack of skating possibilities, one of my questions when meeting with players this afternoon is what are you doing this summer? If things stay the same as they are right now in Canada, they're going to have to make some adjustments to their summer plans. This is just this is just our team. I can't reflect through the rest of the NHL, but our team, the Canadian players that went back to Canada, had a challenging time. I wasn't expecting to hear that. It, it, look, COVID is part of, the, uh, of what happened this season on a lot of different levels for a lot of different teams. Uh, but the preparation for the season wasn't one that I expected to hear. Yeah, I mean, when we were when we were talking about what what AV might be getting at, I mean, my theory was that it had something to do with conditioning. So that wasn't that wasn't really off base with that. Um, you know, I I don't know how well that holds up just because I mean, listen, a large percentage of the league is comprised of Canadian players. I don't know the percentage that. You know, stayed around here to uh, have a residence here that, that worked out in you know in the U.S. and versus those that went back to Canada. I mean, just uh, I, I would think that there are certainly, you know, I mean, I, I think that that uh, certainly some players struggled and maybe that was a piece of it, not just 
not just with the Flyers, but other organizations. But I mean, you know, other players seem to have, even if they started slowly, they came around. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that can be a, a catch-all. It's it certainly maybe may, be, may a, be a piece of it. One thing I I am wondering, and unfortunately, unfortunately, we're not able to, uh, you know, in the time that we we had a lot to be able to to ask this question. Uh, I, I would have been interested from AV or Chuck to find out. Okay, how many players, Canadian players, plan to you know stay stay this way uh, during the off season? You know, work work out in work out in Voorhees, the facilities here. Uh, the NHL has taken steps and part of the off season plan to you know, make the uh, team facilities available as much, much as possible um, to players. So, you know, if, if, if the situation in Canada doesn't change, you know, I mean, players, players can adjust, but you also have, you know, they, they also have the capacity limits that are, you know, that have not been scaled back in a lot of places yet. And, you know, like, I mean, the Ontario, like Ontario wasn't even have, the OHL wasn't even have, able to have a season this year. You know, for just for just because of all the various, you know, uh, restrictions in the province. So, yeah, for lack of a better term, Ontario is still on lockdown. Yeah, yeah, and and parts of parts of Quebec too. Yeah. So you know, so okay, you know, so uh, you know, how so how to what extent things can be adjusted, and also again, how many players are, are planning on spending the off season here? Because sometimes sometimes that's the case. You know, often it's with injury rehab guys, but in some cases players just just choose to to work out here over the summer. I, I'd be curious to you know to find out the answer to that. Yeah, it's almost like asking somebody right now, "Hey, do you want to go back in time to uh, December of this year when we were all in lockdown?" <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. nobody's chomping at the bit to do that. But there's other there's other things to consider, like going back home to see family and those kind of things oh, as well. Yeah. Um, for the players, uh, do, do you think that the, maybe this was sort of a a way, semi disguised way of calling out young players for needing to be more professional and be and take their craft uh, to a more professional level. I think so, and I and I think it may have also there may have been also some veterans that that, that description, you know, may may have fit as well. Um, you know, I I don't know. I mean, I I think that there have been a number of a number of answers that have, were given. Not just today, but in the days leading up to today, that uh, I think a certain amount of uh, dissatisfaction with how certain players, you know, either got ready for the season or, or managed the adversity during the season, came up. You know, I, I thought it was interesting um, when Av had his availability before the game against the Devils. You know, he was asked if you, if it was your choice, who would you pick as team MVP? And I, I fully expected him to say, you know, Coots or, or Giroux or, you know, and he said, you know, he, he chose Justin Braun, yeah. you know, and I was uh, taken back by that. <laughs> and he talked about his professionalism and the way that he just, you know, you get the same thing every day out of him and, you know, the approach that he takes and whatever. I mean, that, that it's hard. It's hard to, you know, to take that in and, and, and not see there's at least something between the lines where he's going, you know, there are guys that are considered the core part of the team that that was not the case for. I mean, uh, that's the conclusion that you have to come to, you know, because certainly, certainly nobody would say that, uh, you know, and at least Justin Braun is a, a true pro. I mean, and uh, you know, he, he, he actually had a good season 
this season for for what his role is. You know, I thought he, you know, I, I thought he actually he played well, but um, you know, but by the same token, I, if, if Justin Braun is your MVP, then you have some some deep issues because he he's a role player, you know, and um, he may have played his role well, you know, um, but uh, if he's the guy you're identifying as, as the one who you, know, you, you were able to count in day in and day out, which is the basis he was using. You know, I, I think that uh, that's a message to a lot of players on the team. Uh, Elaine was asked in the press conference today, uh, yesterday, Bill, that um, it said, Elaine, did this season cause you to think about not coming back next year? And his initial answer to that, to me, wasn't very resolute. It was, I came here to win a cup, and he talked about some things. I have to take some time away to remove the emotion, to analyze this season. But it wasn't a stern yes or no initially. It was followed up on later and clarified a little more. I don't know if he just omitted that and or didn't think that what he was saying gave off that air that that was a contemplation. But what did you think of that answer to that question? Well, uh, yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was a – definitive answer although I, I i didn't you know really uh, my take on it was that uh you know he, he's on board for next season um you know i i think that longer term i mean he you know he said several times he would like to get to coach this team during a during a normal during a normal season yeah kind of start to finish <laughs> yeah yeah uh, an actual 82 game season you know with a full camp pre i mean last, last year was a normal "Quote unquote season until till March till it but wasn't. Then, <laughs> <laughs> then it wasn't, yeah, and you know, and then it, it was anything but that. But you know, uh, so you know, I, I never got the sense that he, he was really contemplating leaving right now, or the Flyers should make a change right now. But I, I, I don't, you know, I mean, he's on, he's on, I believe, a five-year contract. He's coming up to year three on it." You know, uh, I didn't get a sense that there's, uh, you know, uh, a definitive direction beyond next season. That was really, you know, that was really the the uh, the gap in there for me. I, I never really thought that, uh, you know, there was too much question about him coming back for next year. Yeah. Um, some of the players were obviously had availabilities as well, all of them. Um, Sean Couturier was asked about his contract situation and extending. And while he did say that he'd like to stay here, the organization's been good to him. It's the organization that drafted him, and he's got a lot of roots here. He did say that um, that's going to be a decision that's made at a later time, and they're going to look at that through this season, which is the final year of his deal. Uh, you know, I don't expect players publicly to say, hey, this is where I want to be, this is where I'm going to stay, because it is a business. and. We all recognize that, but he's also going to come up to an opportunity uh, to, for his chance at absolute life-changing money at the prime of his career, uh, being well-celebrated and well-decorated for his accomplishments. Um, when you look at that situation with Sean Couturier, you know, from the Flyers' standpoint, if things went off the rails and they didn't want to re-sign him beyond this year, they wanted to move in a different direction, he would be one hell of a trade ship at the deadline, number one. Uh, but number two... Um, you know, the, the, the organization has to figure out which direction they're pointing, don't they? No, they, they do. And, um, you know, I, I would think that at this stage, this stage of his career, you know, um, Sean Couturier has no interest in, in being part of a, a rebuild. You know, not that the organization is talking about a rebuild, but I'm saying that if they go in the direction of the, you know, things are still not clicking, 
they're they're looking to, to dismantle some pieces and you know um you know is that what he wants for the long term because his well not not his first formative years but a significant chunk of the years after that were during a you know during a, a partial rebuild you know that was that was four years yeah, you only get one uh, shot at a career you know yeah exactly and you know also you know when he signed his current deal if you if you look at if you look at the economics of it i mean the flyers got one heck of a bargain on this deal. he's underpaid he's underpaid on this deal you know what usually happens if a player's underpaid on one deal he's looking to get paid on the next um the ultimate example was john leclerc you know john leclerc was significantly underpaid as a restricted free agent after his breakthrough year at the flyers and then the flyers ended up having to make up for it by overpaying because you know he had he had injuries and then you know then he hit that dangerous age for a power forward in his early 30s and you know was in a, in a little bit of decline as a player you know by the time the flyers rewarded him for what you know do you how much do you as a as an organization how much do you pay on past performance versus what you think the player you know will do in the future um but in in, in the span of this contract listen he, he was a uh first runner-up for a Selkie. He won a Selkie trophy. He won three straight um, Bobby Clark trophies. He had a couple 30-goal seasons. Has Florida with a point per game. You know, he's been everything that the team would want him to be. And, and at his age, you know, he can uh, he can go strong for, you know, quite a few years to come. So, you know, he wants to get paid for it. He wants to be part of a situation where, you know, he has a chance to win. And, you know, last year, everything seemed to be moving in that direction. They took a big step backwards this year. And, you know, I, I mean, you know, Couture is never a, a guy to throw anybody under the bus, but he did say several times, including today, you know, that that consistency of commitment to two-way play was really not there with any consistency as a team. He didn't even have his best year as a two-way player, you know? Um, for a guy, for a guy who has Selkie Trophy expectations, but it's never, never a question of effort with him. It was, uh, you know, he said it was, a, it was a bit of a struggle for him at times this year physically, um, which is the case for, you know, a lot of guys. But, you know, but I, I think that in terms of, of long-term direction, he wants to see some commitment to winning, and obviously the financial side of it. And, and if there's that, that'll all work out. Now, from a flyer standpoint, you could certainly trade him. You could trade him this summer. You know, if, if that's the direction you wanted to go in and, and he certainly would have a, you know, a heck of a lot of value, but why, how do you replace him? You can't, right? Yeah. I mean, he, well, he, unless you you're to land an Eichel type player in return. Well, yeah, well, that, that would, that would make up for the scoring side of it, but that doesn't make up for all yeah, the other 200 foot. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I would rather get a guy who scores a, a at a little bit lower rate but contributes in other ways on the nights when he's not scoring and, is, you know, and, and Katoria quietly has become a, a good leader by example on the team. Anyway, he's always been a leader by example, but I think, I think a little bit more vocally, you know, there, there've been, um, you know, just, just real, real quickly, you know, like a, a year ago, I remember in camp, uh, they matched Morgan Frost against him in camp and he, and Katoria ate him alive, you know, but afterwards Katoria said all the right things about remembering his first camp, and uh you know and, and whatever that, that he'll get better and he'll you know whatever I mean, he, he said he said he said all the right things you know and, and he, he 
he can do that when he takes a step back sometimes. So I, I think that you know, that'll be a very, very, very difficult player for the Flyers to replace. But, you know, I mean, I, I think for, for the good of the organization, hopefully something works out where they get him signed long term. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I noticed on several occasions this season, for lack of a better word, I, I would call it grumpy. Coots uh, was grumpy and not and voicing dissatisfaction, you know, being dissatisfied with the, the level of compete of his teammates. Yeah. And that's what a leader does, and, and, and I'm glad that he did it. Um, Bill, there's so many questions. We're going to have a lot of time over the offseason to, to really deep dive in some of these. You know, Phil Myers, what's his future? You know, his arc. Uh, Shane Gostaspare, did he play his last game as a member of the Flyers? Um, you know, you look at the expansion draft, and we'll get into that. Is it going to be Voracek? Is it going to be Robert Hager? Or is it going to be James Van Riemsdyk or someone else? You know, what's the ramifications of it? But when Chuck Fletcher was asked about his top priority in this offseason, he mentioned that, um, there's a lot of areas they can improve in every area, was the quote. And when you look at it, number one on my list, and I, I believe yours as well, is that top pairing. Um, you know, this offseason, I believe there are three things that Chuck has to accomplish for not only for to, to instill faith in the fan base, and he shouldn't do it to instill faith, but to, because it's the right thing. But the things he needs to accomplish is that top pairing, defense. Uh, duo with Ivan Provorov and whoever's playing the right side, preferably a right shot, um, that, that can handle the minutes and is the right guy for that role like Niskanen was or even better. Uh, number two, they need a, a shoot-first scorer, a guy that when the puck is below the circles and you're on his line, you know to drive the net because he is shooting the puck. I'm not talking about a line A, a sniper. I'm talking about a shoot-first mentality. There's too many pass-first mentality. And the other one is figure out the goaltending situation. Um, how do you kind of look at, let's look at them individually. Let's start with the, the top pair defensemen. Uh, do you agree that that's the number one need for this team and in, in the way they got to attack this offseason? With, with a bullet. That, that to me is, if they only were to get one thing accomplished, you know. That better would, be it. <laughs> that, that better be it. That, be, that better be the thing. They, they need a, you know, 22-minute-a-night guy to play with, play with pro, preferably a right-handed shot, but at least can play the right side. You know, and, um, you know, and be, you know, I, I think that uh, a guy who can play in all situations the way the Niskanen did and, and just be a, a stabilizing presence, you know, on the blue line. Uh, you know, I, I think sometimes through frustration, people, you know, they, they'll say, oh, well, you know, Provorov's a number four defenseman and blah, 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 blah. And, and you know, Sanheim is not a second pair guy. Honestly, I think that that a lot of guys this year, they they didn't they didn't have the right guy on their pair, you know. Uh, they as it as it turned out, and if you have the you have the right pairing, then it, then it's uh, we you know, saw it. Almost, yeah, it's almost an A and B situation. Uh, this year, everybody I think played probably to a level that you would say is one or two spots down on the uh, you know on, on an ideal slotting, but I mean. That's not that's not to say that Ivan Provorov is a number three defenseman. I'm just saying he played like a number three defenseman this mm. year. You know, uh, Sanheim is your number three defenseman. Actually, he was kind of the number two defenseman, even though it was separate pairings because sometimes you split the guys up. But uh, you know, Sanheim played more like a four or five this year. You know, and then so so on down the line. You know, they they had guys playing just by necessity based on what there was, and it all started with you know it all started with the departure of Niskanen. It wasn't so much Niskanen in himself. It's just how the puzzle pieces fit together. Yeah, it's you know? slotting. Yeah, and and I and I you know like I, again I thought Justin Braun had a really solid year, 
And Justin Braun on the right side of a third pairing, rock steady. Yep. Kills penalties. You know, when you had to play him up top with Provorov and you had to, you know, he actually played a pretty fair amount with, with Sanheim and played some with, with Cam York. You know, I, I think that um, at, at the very end of the season, I, you know, I think that uh, you know, I think he wore down a little bit. You know, I thought he started out had a little bit of a rough patch at the beginning, was rock steady in the middle, and then was then I think he ran out of steam a little bit towards the end. Um, you know, but if but if you could slot him in your third pairing, you know, he has one year to left on the contract, totally fine with it. Uh, Robert Haig on a third pairing, you know, if he's healthy, that, that's a possibility. I mean, you have. You have different ways you can take it, but nobody, nobody really played to the, you know, to the A level role that you would, you would want to see from them over the course of the season. It was hard, quite frankly, to pick the Barry Ashby trophy winner. this Yeah, it was. Because there was no, there was no slam dunk. Um, You know, I kind of think Ivan won a little bit by default to be truthful. Yeah, I agree with you. And you know, you look at his season. I I looked at it, and when I'm filling out my ballot for the, the for the Barry Ashby, and I'm going, well, it has to be Pro Roth, right? Because Sanheim struggled. I can't give it to Justin Braun because, you know, he's just not that pedigree of player. Yeah. Phil Myers was totally erratic. Ghost the same thing. Good offensively, all said and done, but defensively had some real struggles. Was a healthy scratch. Waved, cleared waivers. I mean, I thought he played his best hockey after being waved. And I, I don't even know that he's returning. So um, I think that's, you know, part of the equation as well. As far as adding a, a scorer, Bill, um, you know, we did see in that Devils game, you saw the uh, James Van Riemsdyk power play goal and the beauty of it. It was the dot-to-dot cross-ice pass, Giroux to Couturier to the crease, perfectly targeted stick blade there waiting from James Van Riemsdyk for the easy tap-in. I love beautiful hockey. And that's why I'm pissed off that the season's over, because I love watching execution to that level. But, you know, those executing like that is difficult. There's a lot of things that have to go right. Sometimes I need a guy with that shoot-first mentality that can just flat-out beat a goalie, but also shoot with purpose to drive rebounds and create chaos. There's too yeah. much pass-first here, isn't there? I, I, I totally agree, and I, that, that's part of when you, you know, when you wonder if the mix is right. You know, you have a lot of guys who, as you said, are, are, are pass first guys. And they're quite frankly, sometimes there's three on the same line. You try to pass yeah. the puck into the net at times. No, you shoot. No, you shoot. No, you shoot. It's like exactly. a hot potato. And, and they end up losing the scoring chance because yeah. of it. Two on ones, not even getting shots off, not you know, shot because yeah, the other there's a back pass and, you know, hops over somebody's stick or, or whatever, or the, you know, it just, uh, I mean, it happened, happened quite, quite frequently, you know, um, I mean, you know, in terms of signs of hope, well, Wade Allison is most certainly a shoot-first kind of player. Yeah. Um, has has a dynamic shot. Um, you know, the biggest thing with Wade has always been staying healthy. I think we saw, you know, and now the games weren't very meaningful, but this is this is the player he oh, he showed himself to be in college hockey when healthy. It's the player he looked to be for the Phantoms. I mean, he has he has that style of play and actually scored a couple. You know, I wanted to see him shoot from a little further away from the net, and that's how I actually got a couple of those goals. He has really good hands, a really heavy shot, and, and he's not shy about shooting the puck. And A, he could pick a corner, but also if you look at the uh, the second Farabee goal, the one that got him 20 in the season, that was uh, that was Allison shooting for a rebound. Yeah. And uh, has such a heavy shot that a rebound right into the slot for, for Farabee. So – 
you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying you say, okay, Wade Allison is our answer, but he but he's a piece of it. Long term, Tyson Forster is has the you know, has the capability, the potential, I think, to be a first line winger. He's got a he sees the ice well as an underrated passer, and he has one heck of a dynamic shot. You know, so and again, another guy who's not shy about shooting the puck, even at 19 years old. Yeah. He's not, you know, I don't know, I don't know if he's NHL ready right now, but you, so you might need some somebody in the interim, a Mike Hoffman type for a year, you know. Yeah, but I'm I, thinking guys like you know Kyle Connor or Max Pacioretty, you know. Yeah, right. They're just you know they're scorers. They they find ways to score goals. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely something that's needed. You know, I mean the Flyers have been. You know they've they've been a scoring by committee team. Um, Even a year ago, they were seventh in the NHL in goals, and that's because they had contributions from a lot of spots around the lineup, including um, the blue line, including the blue line. And you know they they started out this year even doing the same thing, Jason, because when on March the first, before the before the bottom dropped out, you know the Flyers were again they were seventh offensively last year. They entered March fourth in goals per game yeah. across the league, but then what happened was, and I actually asked this to AV on there, you know, how much has had to play, you know, how much has had to came into play when the goals against just got out of hand, and you're you're chasing the game every night and you're playing from behind. Did that drag the offense down with it? And he didn't dispute that. I mean that that has that effect. Yep. Because you're you know when you're always chasing games and you're you know and some games you're not going to get a ton of chances. Other games you're running into a hot goalie or whatever. You're always, you know, when you're when you're going in knowing you need four or five, sometimes even more. The way that the way that that month went, you know, it it, uh, it it tends to the goals tend to become a little bit scarce. I've seen it with other teams and other situations. But I think when you look at the the personnel, you know, scoring by committee is nice when it's working. But you do want to have that one guy who can score out of nowhere sometimes too yeah you just be able to create it they, i mean all said and done they're going to finish in the middle of the pack goals for but the problem again is that goals against and, and and you know this i've talked about this a ton whenever you, when you're you're leaking goals and you're just giving up goals at an alarming rate it's hard to play the game properly offensively as well because you you're afraid to make a mistake and in, when you're getting great goaltending and and you know the puck's not ending up in the back of your net, every time you make a mistake, then it's a lot. You can be a little bit more creative offensively, and it does take that. But uh, we're we're seeing this for far too long. We need that that guy that can just absolutely bury. And and again, I'm not talking about a Patrick Line. I don't need a, a you know a, a minus 29 Line who can't do anything else on the ice. I know that Nolan Patrick finished minus 30 on the season, by the way. But I, that's not what I'm looking for, selective engagement from a winger. But uh, th- I think it's an area that does need to be t- touched into w- without certainty. Uh, th- they also need to add some grit to this lineup, Bill, don't they? They, they do. They need uh, – Desperately. You know, they, they do. They need, they need you know, like, uh, like skilled size, not just, not just <clears throat> a big body out there that can't do anything, but just, uh, you know – and physicality takes, takes different forms – uh, I, I think they, I think they definitely need, you know, the ability to, to be able to uh, go against guys like a, you know, like a, a Tom Wilson or, or the other side of physicality and Anders Lee, who's not a, not a guy who's going to, you know, put, 
be facing disciplinary hearings, but he's a big, strong forward who is, you know, I, I really think the reason why the Flyers played the Islanders so tough this year is they didn't have Anders Lee because yeah. I thought the playoff series, Anders Lee was the biggest difference maker for all the immovable force. Yeah, absolutely. They, they could not contain the guy down low. It reminded me, you know, uh, of a mirror image of when teams used to try to defend LeClaire. They just couldn't handle Tim Kerr, too. <laughs> Tim, so Tim, yeah, Tim Kerr before him, you know? And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, just a just a force. I mean, I, those players those players are very hard to come by. But just, uh, yeah, but definitely more physicality. Heavier on the puck. Uh, the ability if, um, you know, somebody goes to hit them, you know, they've uh, I know they've cracked on a little bit of the reverse hits, but you know, like 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 Kerr used to be, guys would go to hit him. He would just dip that big shoulder of his, and the guy would take a seat on the ice. Yeah. You know, looks like and, the same <laughs> thing. You're right. Yeah, just just that kind of physic, that kind of physicality. Um, you know, uh, a little bit of what uh, you know, Sam Moran, if uh, he could work on some other parts of his game. You know, I, I think that Sam had a few. Had, you know, had some good games and he supplied a little bit of that just, just that just that element i think the team the team needs some of that and they just need you know they need more guys also like um you know lot will always give you that second and third effort in every puck you know there, there are too many situations where there are 50 50 battles and you know you're even if you're first on the puck okay you know is there that second and third effort to to come away with the puck um you know one of the things before um Oscar Lindblom had had you know, the cancer diagnosis. You know, people looked at he was leading the team in goals up through the cancer diagnosis, and the year before, I think he had 13 goals in the second half, I believe. Um, but the biggest thing for him, I thought, other than other than going to the net and scoring goals, was he was outstanding in board battles, and he just didn't have the physical strength this year to win most of them. I thought mm-hmm. I think he lost more than he won this year, which was just an indication he wasn't back to the level. You know, he was before. I'm hopeful that with a good off season, with a little added strength, you know, the Flyers will start winning uh, some more of those battles that they were losing well a lot this year. Um, but I think you could, you know, I think you need to also, you know, look look a little bit from the outside too as to who you might be able to bring in that'll add a little bit of that. You know, um, you know, another element the Flyers could use is, you know, they could use more speed. I mean, it's. Uh, you know, the Flyers are not necessarily a, a big, strong team, but they're not as, you know, there are, there are faster teams out there. When you saw them play the Devils, for example, the Devils, yeah. you know, the Devils are a faster team. So there, there's, a, it's, you know, as Chuck Fletcher was saying, there's a lot of different elements you can improve. And it's very hard to go get everything in one off season. But I, I think you hit the nail on the head with the, uh, you know, with the first pair, you know, first pairing right side defenseman, uh, a shoot first winger. Preferably one who you know maybe brings a little bit of the the physicality as well, and uh, obviously they have to figure out goaltending. Yeah, and that's a big one. Let's end on that because I kind of floated this in a, in a previous episode. Uh, next year, you know, I, I don't think that Brian Elliott will be back. I think he will be an option for them, uh, pending how things go in free agency and the trade market. Uh, but I think they have two routes to go here. They they can either go with well, three if you add Elliot as like kind of plan C, but like plans A, 1A, and 2A would be either Hart and a veteran, a guy like James Reimer that's 33 years old, was a starter, knows that role as a 1B, but can carry the mail if Hart either struggles or gets injured, or 
um, go with a guy in, in a trade and, and get a guy like a Jonas Corposalo and say, okay, guys, competition at every position, battle your way, whoever's playing better starting, and you'll push each other, and that'll rise the level of our goaltending by proxy. Which way do you think is more likely for them to go? I think they're more likely to go the the root of the, the Reimer type of a goalie. Um, someone just a couple of years younger than, than uh, Ryan Elliott, uh, who has some starting experience. Um, you know, Reimer's also had the, uh, you know, the experience of, of playing in a, in a pressure cooker environment. Toronto, even yeah. A bigger, yeah, even a bigger one than here. So, you know, that, I mean, that, that, it would be that, that kind of a player. Um, you know, there are goalies out there that I like. I, when we had this discussion previously, I told you, I, I, I like, uh, I like Olmark from Buffalo because, you know, he was pretty good on a really bad team, you know, yeah. uh, the, the one loss record didn't show up, but I thought that he, you know, he kept them in a lot of games. Um, now, of course, you know, of course, how much budget do you assign to the position too? You know, um, they're, uh, Elliot only made, I think, about one one point five million this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he ended up being worth every penny of it, although you know he, although he faltered at certain stretches of the season. But he ended up playing more games than Carter Hart did, for you know, primarily due to Hart being shut down, but also due to you know his struggles in parts of the season. So they certainly got their money's worth. I, I'm curious to see how much they figure for that. Also, when of course on top of. Uh, what kind of extension they're going to sign Carter Hart to. I mean, he's going to, he's going to make less than we figured he was probably going to make. Yeah, um, this is two year bridge written all over it. This absolutely is two year bridge, written, which means, which means a raise, but not a, but not as much of a raise as, you know, I think a lot of us were thinking before the season. Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. And um, it's going to be fascinating. We'll deep dive into all these areas and, and, and more. I mean, we got to get into Kevin Hayes. We got to get into Shane Goss, bear who's going to be here. Who's not. Uh, what are the chances, Sam or Amber? There's a ton of questions, but we'll save that for another visit, Bill. Thanks for doing this as always. It is now officially the Flyers offseason, and I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason. Expansion draft as well. Wow. And looking forward to getting back to a, the normal rhythm of the offseason, uh, coupled with a normal season next year, and, and hopefully you know, full, full buildings as well. We'll see if it, it trends in that direction. Everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of Flyers Daily with another brand new one coming tomorrow. In the meantime, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's Flyers Daily.